After 25 years in the fashion industry, I've realized that fashion is not really about the clothes, it's about the people. I'm Laura Van Root Poole, and this is What We Wore. Jenny Kane is one of the rare people who found her craft at age 19, and for the past 20 years, she's continued to grow her vision through books, home, beauty, and stores across the country. I loved her acknowledgement of the people who've bolstered the business, like her father and her CEO, so that she could also create a family at the same time. Jenny Kane, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. I haven't seen you since we sat next to each other at, I think, the 75th anniversary of the Brentwood Country Mart. Yeah, I actually just ran into Irene at a wedding, and we were talking about how fun that was. <laughs> it was so nice. It's such a special place. Did you grow up nearby? I grew up on the other side of town, but I went to uh, Crossroads, which, which is in Santa Monica, and moved to Santa Monica when I was like a junior. So for two years, I lived close to the Country Mart, and I feel like it's definitely a staple on the west side. Shopping or chicken baskets or, you know, it has something for everyone. Irene always talked about growing up and going like in junior high to get chicken baskets. Totally. It looks identical, I think. It looks just the same. I mean, some of the stores have changed, but for the most part, it really hasn't. Yeah, I think that's what's so cool about Jim's vision. He loves history and he loves kind of like the roots and the DNA of what was already there. So I feel like he's done such a great job of, of maintaining the like authentic thing that everyone loves in the neighborhood, like the chicken baskets, and then sprinkled in some beautiful stores like mine and yours. <laughs> Give the ladies what they want. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, what, what was it like growing up in California? And you're a little younger than I am, a good bit younger, but I think, um, I mean, 70s and 80s in California must have been amazing. A little less crowded. <laughs> uh-huh, totally. Less traffic. I mean, I it's all I know. So I grew up with amazing weather and the ocean nearby, and I feel like it just kind of, you know, taught me to connect with nature and, you know, keep a slower pace and really appreciate, you know, the beauty that surrounds us. Do you have siblings? Are you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm one of three. So I'm the eldest. I'm the, I'm the older Virgo sister. And then (laughs) I have um, a younger sister who's five years younger and a middle sister who's two years younger. And we're all super close, but very, very different. And were you always interested in fashion or was your mom fashionable? I mean, from the time I can remember, I was critiquing my mom's friend's outfits and, and, (laughs) picking out everything um, for everyone around me. And when I was eight or nine, my mom took me to a Chanel charity fashion show. And I remember Linda Linda Evangelista was in it. And I remember exactly what I wore, a little black velvet dress. And my mom had like a black two-piece, like a full skirt and a little jacket, very Oscar 90s. (laughs) And I just remember being in awe of the entire experience and walking away from that, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. And so that early, you knew that's what you wanted to do. And did you, did you see a path? What did you know what that meant? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I knew what that meant at that age, but my best friend growing up her mom was a fashion designer in the 70s and she made beautiful leather clothing like very cool deerskin pieces and she would like you know Sunny and Cher would wear them and she <laughs> sold a Neiman Marcus and she was just an incredible artist and had an exceptional eye and she taught me to sew when I was 11 
So I learned with making quilts and pajamas that later turned into learning how to sew leather. And I made my prom dress and my littlest sister series bat mitzvah dress. Wow. I kind of dabbled. I think living in California, I was a little torn between costume design and fashion design. When I got to a certain age, I was like, maybe I'll try costume first and then I would do fashion. So I ended up going to college for costume design back East and very quickly realized that is absolutely not what I wanted to do. How come? You know, I was in a, it was a very prestigious program. Only four people were accepted. It was like in a theater school, never been around theater people. I I wasn't sewing anything. I was like making sets and like taking all these crazy classes that didn't apply to what my passion was. And that was never really for me. I feel like I'm, I'm really hardworking when I'm inspired and I don't want to say I like cut, I cut steps, but I, I feel like you lose me at the foundation year. Like I'm ready to go right in. So you spent a year in the program. Did you stay the whole year? No, I stayed six months. I quickly came home to Los Angeles and I went to Otis for design again in a foundation year. (laughs) So lots of things (laughs) weren't related to fashion. Um, And I wasn't really happy and I didn't, I was never a traditional learner and school was never really something that I was in love with. So it was no surprise that I, that I dropped out to start working and I ended up working for someone who, who no longer has a business. But at the time in the early 2000s, she had a store on the West side and she carried Galliano and Gautier and all these lines that no one had over here. And she was a young mom. And so she would let me go to Europe at 19 years old and do all the buying. So I wow. exposed to so many incredible designers and so much in like a really quick span. I guess I must have been 18 actually. So I was 18 and because I graduated from high school early at 17 and I loved it. And she also let me like design a little capsule collection for the store. And I did that for about a year. And somehow I like look back at it. I don't even understand. Somehow I like found a pattern maker in Italy, found someone to help me source fabric. Like I just made all these connections through my travels and I started, I convinced my dad to back me for three seasons and I started my collection at 19 producing in Milan and Florence. And so you, so you said to your dad, uh, give, give me three seasons to make it work. And, and if it doesn't, then I'm on my own or, or I'll quit or a hundred percent. But that of course, of course he's a supportive father. And so he gave me a little longer than that. And, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, girls, we, we know how to, how to, get our dads to help us out when, you know, when they believe in us, they'll do it. I feel like if, if you, you know, if you really prove yourself. So I had, I had people, um, who were already in the fashion business, who were speaking to my dad in, in a language that he could understand. Um, so he got on board and he's my partner to this day. Were you based in New York or were you based in LA? I was in LA and I would travel to Milan or Florence like every three weeks. And that's what I did wow. for the first year and a half, two years. And then I found factories in Los Angeles who could do some of it and opened an office here. So yeah, I mean, people ask me looking back, like how I started my business at 19. It's now been pretty <laughs> 40s, so it's been 20 years, and and I truly don't know how. I think I was really naive and really driven and excited. And when you are young, you don't really realize how crazy something sounds. What was the original vision of the company? Like, what, did you know where you wanted to sell? Did you even know how to do that part of it? I did because I was on the buying side for that year. Right. 
So because I was exposed to all the showrooms, I was like in one of the best showrooms, you know, in the country. Um, I sold to, I would say what at that time were the 20 best boutiques around from like Maxfields to Barney's to all of them. But I really wanted to have a lifestyle business. And I was always inspired and in awe of Ralph Lauren and what he built. But obviously at the time, the collection looked very different than that. It was always based around knits. That was always kind of what I was known for, but, but the clothes were much younger and cooler and there were no, there was no furniture. There was no lifestyle, but that was, but that was the vision and and that was the goal. And Jenny, for listeners that don't know the term, what does lifestyle mean? So I think it's all encompassing. So for me, I always say what I'm wearing to what I'm setting my table with, to how I'm decorating to my home, to what I'm putting in and on my body. It's all one thing. It all speaks the same language. It's all the same, same DNA. And it's about, it's about living well. And so having a lifestyle brand is, you know, being able to create beautiful products in all of those categories across as many categories as I can. Back then you didn't have your own store. You were just wholesaling, right? Yeah. So I wholesaled, I feel like I have a rough memory, but um, I think I only did wholesale until 2007. And then I opened my first store in West Hollywood. And that was kind of a game changer because I realized that I could get, I I worked a lot out of the back of the store. Like I realized I could get so much feedback. I could curate the collection and buy it exactly as I envisioned it. No plastic hangers. Everything was beautiful. (laughs) And then you walked into the store and you like really felt what my vision was. You felt like you walked into the Jenny Keene world. And I was able to curate some third party pieces as well, like, you know, jewelry and sunglasses and denim and, categories that I wasn't touching at the time so that everyone could walk in and they could get, you know, everything they needed. And it was really a good way to test new, new categories that I wanted to go into, but also just getting as close to the customer as possible. And what I learned from that is um, I didn't really want to be holden to wholesale, especially after 2008. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was very difficult. And, you know, lots of people, you know, had placed orders that they couldn't pay for, things couldn't get fulfilled. And had that been all I had, I don't know that I would still be in business today. So I made a pretty tough decision to kind of let go of that and really focus on direct to consumer, you know, growing e-commerce, growing our um, store footprint. And we're now at 17 or 18 stores, which is wild. Oh my God. Jenny, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Are there any pieces from those original first three collections that are still in the collection today? You know, for years there were, but I feel like at this point they're iterations of them. Um, (laughs) I actually am designing fall 2023 right now. (laughs) (laughs) All the seasons get so combined in my head. Fall 2023, and I just picked a yarn that is so reminiscent of my first successful sweater that I made. And I'm going to do a different silhouette, but I keep in the back of my head thinking like, well, maybe I should bring that one back too. (laughs) You remember the name of it? Will you call it the same name? It was the oversized hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I feel like there are still pieces, but but they've grown as I've grown and, you know, as the collection's grown. I mean, it is interesting to just to think about the the arc of the recession to you used to have a really successful, I think still blog, correct? Yeah. 
and that was such a moment. And, and then to e-com and all that has changed. And now social media. But I do miss the days of the blog where you could really, really write and, and really talk about things that were important to you rather than in little snippets of social media. You know, it's a, it's totally different. Yeah, it's like people don't buy magazines anymore. But I still, well, I don't, they don't still, exist. I mean, I still <laughs> love buying a magazine. Unfortunately, they just, yeah, the, the, because there's not enough demand, the content is just not, they're not big enough and they're not <laughs> good enough. But yeah, no, I mean, people want, people are moving fast and people want small, digestible content that they they I feel like you, people don't have the same stamina anymore um but I do I do still do the blog it's called Rip and Tan named after my first two children Ripley and Tanner I really did write it all myself for a million years and do it yeah. all it was really started because I am this Virgo that friends always turn to <laughs> like where do I get this for my kitchen and you know like all those kinds of questions um and so I wanted to kind of just like put it out there and it has become more integrated into the brand, but I still feel like is pretty authentic. And I think it's just amazing to have that body of work. You know, when you look back and see like, wow, this is, you know, pages and pages and pages of content that we've, that, that I believe in. Totally. Yeah. And Jenny, and in the middle of all of that, you also had children. Tell me about that. <laughs> and <laughs> how did that change your personal style and, and how did it change the business? Well, I actually think it really informed the business. So, you know, I started my business in 19. I had my first child at 26, Ripley at 28, and then Trooper at 35. Wow. So I'm a young mom and a working mom. And I think having Ripley and Tanner really young really taught me, you know, your body changes so much and your life changes and there's not as much time for yourself. And you're, you know, you're sitting on the floor a lot more when they're younger than you're used to. So it really taught me about like finding a uniform and, you know, figuring out for me with my body type and my lifestyle, what, what that uniform is and how that works for me. Because I feel like there's so much wasted time in my early twenties trying to figure out what I was going to wear. And, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, and how many, you know, how much ended up on the closet floor that then I had to pick up. And <laughs> it, it just was like, kind of like an endless pit. It's a time waster. And then it's always like trying to reinvent the wheel when the truth is, is that if you pay attention to what you wear and maybe it changes seasonally a little bit, but you pretty much wear the same couple of pieces over and over again and you find what works for you. So my children informed that. And then that is what really, you know, my CEO, Julia, basically has been able to take all the things that I believe in and create a business around them. So we did a whole campaign called find your uniform. And we like plastered these huge posters and billboards and things all over New York city. And, and it was basically the concept that like, yes, we do create some newness every season because you know, there are repeat customers that come back and they want new colors and new styles and all of that. But there's so much excess in fashion, which is such an issue, I think. And the truth is, is the same, the same way that I only wear those couple things, you know, over and over again, my customers buy only of those couple things. So how do you create a core business of styles that customers always know that they can look to you for? So like the cashmere fisherman, the cashmere cocoon, the everyday sweater. So across different price points, different colors, different silhouettes, they know that they can always come to Jenny Kane for those items. And that was, you know, created from this concept that I really live. 
whenever I'm out in the store and I have clients come to visit us in the store, they've always just been to your store. <laughs> also, I mean, I think it's some you know, every time you go to the Country Mart, it, you you want to stop in and see what's there. And I think one of the, I mean, the clothes are beautiful, but I also think your team is amazing. How have you gone about building a team, especially uh, across 17 stores? I mean, how have you built a culture there in real life and virtually? I really believe in living well and in balance. And um, I try to have that trickle down through everyone who is working with me. So I think, you know, starting with finding the perfect CEO, which took a million years and different tries. Um, you know, Julie and I have been together as partners now for probably seven years, six years, something. I lose track of time. And how did you ultimately find Julia? You know, she came in under a CEO that didn't that didn't feel right culturally, and I was going to make a bunch of changes to the business at that point and kind of slow down because I was I couldn't do it all. Like it is very difficult to be a working mom and run a business and be the designer. And Julia basically said to me, "Okay, we can wind things down, and you could just have these three stores, and this this is the plan." But I also feel like if you give me a year and you're not happy, then we could do it then. So give me a year to see what I can do, and then we'll we'll talk. And she is so smart and so driven and really lives and breathes the Jenny Kane lifestyle. And she um, is an incredible leader. So she's been my partner for several years. She runs the business. I do all the creative and she has created with me this amazing culture and really empowered. We have tons of incredible women that work in the business and a lot of growth from within. So um, you know, Lauren who helps with all of our stores across the board, she is, you know, equally as responsible for, for all the girls that, that girls and guys that work there and the culture. I don't even really go to the new locations. I trust her so much now. It's all yeah. with COVID. You learned how much can be done, you know, digitally. It's great. <laughs> Tell me about um, e-com because I know that's become a huge part of your business. And did you expect that? I mean, not, no, not, not that anybody expected COVID to be what it was, but I couldn't believe the growth of your business, what I've read. I mean, again, it's a tribute to Julia. So, you know, during COVID, I mean, e-commerce had been growing. It was definitely like equal or more than the fleet of stores. So I think especially with like the power of social media and all of the content and bringing everything to life, it had, it had been a very well-oiled machine before COVID. But then with COVID, you know, everyone's offices were shutting down factories were shutting down um you know warehousing was was shutting down and and we had always made the decision not to have third party for for warehousing and and shipping and receiving so we were able to you know you know there was the order that like within 48 hours everything's gonna be closing we were able to go and access our inventory and we brought inventory not not with me asking my ceo and my cfo basically said we're going to consolidate the, the um, assortment on e-com and we're going to bring, you know, this much inventory to our own homes. And with our family, wow. we are going to fulfill the orders. Oh my God. So, really? Like, yes. And I was like, I'll do it too. I was in Palm <laughs> and they were like, we don't trust you. <laughs> they were like, we're good. Wow. So like, yes, like moms, dads, husbands, wow. sisters. It was incredible. And they geared the... 
selection and with the marketing team, they marketed everything as like everything for like cozy at home. And I think when people were feeling so yes. nervous and vulnerable, like they wanted to be draped in cashmere and slippers and yeah. And then of course everyone's zooming at home and, and so then they want to redecorate their home. <laughs> it it did seem like you really recommitted and maybe even invested more in your home, the home side of your business during that time. We have been slowly growing out the categories like organically as we have more bandwidth and um, more production capabilities and stuff, we open into no, new categories and test them. And then once they're proven, yeah, like we're, we're going for it. And I love designing the home and the furniture and all of that. It's very exciting, especially with, you know, people now caring more about, you know, what their homes look like. I think it's been a great time and we are trying to, um, you know, build that, that side of the business out. Is there a category that you haven't done yet that you want to do? Well, we're just delving into lighting. So lighting oh, wow. is launching in the next year. And I think that's really exciting. What else? I mean, there's so many. I think rugs too. Like we've done a little bit where we're starting to do more. Oh my God. I- Irene has them in her guest room. Yeah. And they are the softest things in the world. <laughs> and then we are we do tabletop, but I'm really trying to get more into doing like my own ceramics. It's, it's interesting. Oh, wow. It's a totally different learning curve with just production and all of that. Obviously, clothing has always been instinctive for you, but are all the other categories instinctive as well? I mean, do you know what a Jenny Kane earthenware looks like? hundred percent, like even more so probably. Really? Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. And have you always, or do you think it's from having this many years of clothing under your belt that you are really clear on it? I think I've always had a pretty clear eye, but I do think like... When I was in my early 20s, it was all about clothes and fashion. And then, you know, I bought my first home and had my first child and it became more about creating a home. And and I was less inspired by the fashion. And then, you know, that switches. So I still design the collection. I have one other person on my team. I mean, we have production and all of that, but one other designer that I work with and same for, for furniture. So it's me and one other person, which for a business our size, I think is highly unusual. So yes, I am super inspired and um, and I do think it's innate. Like a lot of yeah. people ask me these questions. I'm like, I really don't know how to answer that. <laughs> well, are, are there things that haven't worked? I mean, do you have a favorite failure? I mean, a thousand percent things don't work. <laughs> and I think that's the learning curve, like especially with furniture and, and their larger pieces and, you know, so shipping them back and forth feels more, more meaningful. But, you know, sometimes like we're making this metal table and it's just like the finish just does not look right. So like how many iterations until we can get it right, you know? So with all of this growth, what does success look like for Jenny Kane? I think an eventual IPO or selling the company down the road. I mean, we've been gearing up to to go in that direction and I love what I do and I want to be involved in all of that, but I also want to feel really good at the end about where, where the business is. Why is that important to you? I think I think it feels like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like it I think that there's I don't I don't know how it'll actually feel when I get there, but I think there's this idea of I've been marching towards something and it will feel successful, it will feel like an accomplishment, and then it will feel like all this like time to do these hobbies <laughs> I never have time for. Like I'll always work, I'll always be inspired, I'll always do something creative, but like, you know, I'd love to be in my vegetable garden all day. Like I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to like horseback ride all day. Like there are so many things that I'd love to do that I don't, I'd love to be able to maybe have lunch with friends, you know? 
that I don't really give myself time to do, even though I do have an, an, a nice balance in my life. Uh, I was sick last year and I never have felt you know, I, I never felt like, oh, this is successful. But I did feel like success for me was being able to be sick for six months and for the store to be successful, very successful while I wasn't there. To have to have built a business that can stand on its own um, and knows what it's doing without you there every day for six months, is that, that feels successful for me. And it was one of the first times I'd felt like that. Weird, like really weirdly, you know, in the midst of that. Yeah. No, that means you've done a great job. Well, (laughs) every once in a while. Tell me what it's like working with your father. I love it. I mean, my dad is is brilliant and he's such an inspiring businessman and mentor. And he's not hands-on in the minutia because he doesn't know much about fashion, but he's so... He's so engaged and he loves to learn and be helpful wherever he can. So I think it's a really nice dynamic between Julia, my dad, and I. Um, we all bring something different to the table. And yeah, it's all, I mean, my dad and I have a very nice relationship. <laughs> and have there been any disagreements, any big disagreements that you remember? No, no. Wow. We're, pretty, we're pretty aligned. And he's, again, he like just like I stay in my lane, he stays in his, (laughs) but it is funny because sometimes he'll tell me these creative things. So like, he just went to the, to the new home store we opened in Montecito and be like, um, have you been in the bedroom section? I think that you need a piece above the the bed. I'm like, no, there's no art above the bed. Like we don't need a piece of art above the bed. And then our, our New York store uptown, we kept the original floors and they're very New York. And yes, they may need some small repairs, but he is mortified by the floors. He's like, these floors are redone. This does not feel Jenny Kane. I'm like, we're in New York. It feels new. <laughs> I love that. How do you make your big decisions in life and work? Do you have other mentors other than your dad or Julia that you count on? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I first start by meditating. And kind of oh, really? Oh, amazing. Quiet and just like getting as grounded as I can because I find when you have too much going on up here, it's very difficult to make the right decision. And then, yeah, I have, we have an amazing board and I have other, you know, friends that are in different industries, but are entrepreneurs and, and very successful in their own right. And so I feel like depending on what the issue is, I have different friends that I go to. And I definitely like one of my best friends, Allie, she just like knows fashion so well that she's definitely, you know, probably my sounding board more than she'd like to be. (laughs) (laughs) We all need friends like that. (laughs) What was the process like creating your first book? Oh, it was so fun. I can't wait to do another one. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I loved it. I love creating things. I I mean, it was was really exciting. So we worked with Rizzoli and they give you a lot of freedom and but support at the same time. And and so I wanted to create a book on on entertaining and, and basically like effortless California entertaining and I wanted to divide it by season. So that's what I did. And each season was in a kind of a different location in California, kind of creating um, the inspiration for each season and then each shoot, you know, each event that we were curating for the book was so inspiring. And I created different Pinterest boards and like looked through as many things as I physically could and then kind of narrowed it down. So I think that each season has maybe like three different events um, and it's how to, you know, how do you set your, your table for those events? Like, where is it? What are you cooking? What's like a specialty takeaway or cocktail that goes with it? It was so fun. 
the whole process was effortless. Like you really, it was dying to get out basically. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing that's been difficult with both books, um, cause then the next one was on entertaining. It was actually probably even easier. Cause like once you do something once you kind of know right. formula. the thing that's most difficult that I would hope that if we did a third, we could get around somehow is just the timeline. They give you a very short timeline. So you just, there's never enough time, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to have shot the fall section in fall, but like, no, you couldn't, you were shooting in the spring. Right. Along the way, when you had children, how did your business life change? I mean, as they got to certain ages, did you change your hours? Yeah. And how did you feel okay about it? Cause I think a lot of women have a really hard time. I know I did. Yeah. I think it is really hard. So in the beginning, I was on that kind of like rat race of, you know, because I was selling wholesale, I would go to New York, you know, four to six times a year for market. And I was showing or doing presentations and, and I would bring my first child Tanner with me a lot. And that was kind of manageable. Then, then once I had Ripley, it was much more difficult to travel. <laughs> yeah. it became a bigger thing, and I and I and I really kind of did not look forward to going to New York. And and then not only was it having a child, but I just started to get like way more into you know creating this home and cooking and slowing down and meditating and and the energy of New York was just like so much for me. So I, I can't kept, handle it, right? So I kept kind of saying to Julie, well, Julie wasn't around at the time, but I just kept kind of saying, like, I feel like there's a better way to do this. Like, you put so much money into these collections and you're making so many things, but then you're, you're only actually producing, you know, 40% of it. It just feels wasteful. And, and it doesn't, it feels like this kind of fashion week, like having to be on this hamster wheel. Like, I, I think there's a better way. So I started by moving my office as close to my home as possible because I breastfed both my kids for like almost a year, yeah. every year. And so that they could come and visit me at work. Yeah. Still worked pretty full days and didn't really drive them to school when they were little. And then as they got older, um, I feel like, you know, you think they need you more when they're younger, but really like, no, they emotionally, they need you more as they get older. I totally agree. Yeah. So I couldn't get away with not driving them to school. So <laughs> that became, that would start to take up part of my day. So like my husband and I would switch, you know, pick up or drop off. And then Julia came into the picture and I kind of told her all of these things that I was feeling. And when we decided to go direct to consumer fashion, Week didn't matter anymore. And I didn't <laughs> go to New York. And now I like go to New York like once every two years, which is so crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I figured out balance. So I always say like, I guess it depends on your business and the size of your business. But as the business has grown, I stay in my lane. I, I focus on where I'm value add. I don't waste my time micromanaging other people. The people that do my social and marketing and ads are way smarter than me you know, <laughs> and no way more than I do, you know, as just Julia and all those people. So like I stay in my creative lane. I don't even go to the photo shoots anymore. I style everything and then I pass it off because my team is a well-oiled machine of creative, awesome women and a few men. Um, and, and so I think like kind of really kind of letting go where you can so that you can spend your time wisely is important. So I start my days by dropping my kids off at school. I go and I ride my horse and then I shower and go to work. And then if I can, I pick up one of the children a couple times a week. The boys get picked up, you know, no matter what separately. <laughs> and then I come home and the nights that I have time, I cook dinner um, or we order in or, you know, we, we spend, I would say like at least six nights a week, maybe, maybe seven, you know, eating together <laughs> as a family. 
And that's important to me. And then if there's work that didn't get done, I can sit on my iPad and bed and do it. And I do think, oddly, uh, the pandemic made that easier. Totally. I mean, I some weeks I'm in my office four days a week and sometimes I'm not in my office at all or I'm there one day because I feel like as long as you have your device, you can pretty much do anything. You're such a prolific creator. What's the most fulfilling part? Do you like the journey of creating or do you like the, the final product? I think I love the journey of creating. I love being inspired and and sky's the limit. But the but the most fulfilling part, I think, is like walking down the street and seeing someone wear your clothes. Or like I've been having a lot of women come up to me. I had a woman in Montecito in my friend's bakery, Mercy, come up to me. She was wearing my sweater, my hat, and shoes on a Sunday. She didn't realize it was me. And she's like, oh, my God, I love your pants. What are those? And I said, <laughs> they're Jenny Kane. And she was like, I live in Jenny Kane. And I said, I am, oh. <laughs> I like, I am Jenny Kane. She's like, she almost freaked out. You know, she almost fell over. And she must have been in her late 60s, early 70s. And she said, I just want to let you know that you've changed my life. And I was like, oh. thank you. <laughs> Oh, I love that so much. That is such a good story. Aw. What do you think your children would say about your work? What do you hope that they learn from you? I really wanted them to learn that women can do everything, probably more than men. Sorry. <laughs> men out there. Um, Sorry, men. But like we, we really can take on a lot. And I mean, I joke that like my, you know, my full-time job is really being their personal assistant. <laughs> I think my kids are very inspired by what I do. And as much as maybe it took me away at times when they were younger, they value my work ethic. They're impressed by it. And they're very supportive of it. My daughter is 11 and she's just fitting into a woman's shoe. And <laughs> piano recital, she was like, can I please, you know, she had to dress up and everything. She's like, can I please, you know, go get a pair of shoes from your store. And I thought she's going to get like a sandal or something. And she came out in a little kitten heels. And Aww. she was so cute. <laughs> And, and she just takes such pride in it. My son, we have these Jenny Kane sweatshirts that are like for employees. And we do, you know, when, when new people start, they get them as gifts. And my husband, you know, has worn his to death. And my son is always asking for a new one. Like he loves, <laughs> I think probably he's 14 and he's like, or almost 14. He's showing it off to the, all the cute girls in school. <laughs> I love it. I want to hear about this prom dress. <laughs> what did you wear to the prom? <laughs> you know what's so funny is my social girls are, um, there's like this new t theme. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like basically like you post pictures of you when you were like, you know, a rowdy teenager, like, like <laughs> you go back. And so they were asking and I was like, oh, I have to find these prom photos. I was really creative and also very rebellious when I was younger. And <laughs> you know, like early, like late nineties, early 2000s. So I made a very, I would say sexy black leather prom dress. It's oh my it God. very pretty. And I had like, you know, like smoky black eyes and, um, was it long Jenny? Yes. Okay. So it, it will be, remember we're in California for prom. So people aren't like wearing like big dresses or anything. It was below my it was like kind of below my knee mid calf, but okay. it fit down in the front and had no Ooh. back. Oh. Yeah. It was like a halter. It was fitted. It was, it was sexy. <laughs> and then shoes, what shoes do you remember? Oh my gosh. I, 
I don't remember, but I kind of want to say that I wore like wood platformy Dolce shoes, like gunmetal. Oh, cool. Yeah. And jewelry? I don't remember any jewelry, but I had my hair in like, I don't know if you remember in the 90s, like people would do those like little nubs everywhere, like little buns. Oh, yeah. I had my hair like in the little buns and then I had a corsage that was dried flowers, you know, or like oh, that, or whatever. That's <laughs> cool. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me. Bye. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.